And there are coaches and teachers that have been doing this longer than I've been alive. But to me, in my short time being in this space and, and being um, an, an educator or coach, I've learned that if it's not about the kids, then there is no success. They see their bodies change, they see their performance change, they see everything change, and so that place just becomes even more and more important to them. Hey everybody, welcome back to the High School Coaches Club. I'm your host, Max Price. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing as you tune into the show, just know that I appreciate you so much for clicking that play button yet again. If you want to scroll down, leave a rating, maybe even a review. I'll be pumped beyond belief. And don't forget to click the link in the show notes to become a free member of the club to start getting the weekly newsletter delivered right to your inbox every single Wednesday morning. In last week's edition, we looked at a gift you can give to your players. And in this upcoming week's newsletter, we're looking at an in-season check-in with your athletes. So be sure to join if you haven't already. Thanks for supporting the High School Coaches Club. And thanks also to Netting Pros for once again sponsoring the episode. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. They specialize in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for baseball, softball, football, soccer, lacrosse, track and field golf courses, and so much more. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, and dugout cubbies. They continue to provide quality products and services to many recreational high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, courses, and stadiums throughout this great country. You can contact them today by calling 844-620-2707, emailing info at nettingpros.com, visiting their website, nettingpros.com, or by checking out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. They sponsor a ton of podcasts, a ton of audio gold. I'm just glad to be mentioned in the same sentence as some of the guys that they have. Huge thanks to Will and the gang at Netting Pros for powering up this episode, number 29 of the High School Coaches Club. We head back to West Plains High School, which you'll remember from episode 17 with West Plains head football coach Matt Perkins, and also from its former head football coach Steve Airy, who was on episode 15. This time we jump in with Brandon Pitts. He's the head dude for the Zizzer Strength and Conditioning Program, in addition to serving as Coach Perkins' defensive coordinator. Pitts will take us back into the SNC world, sharing tons of instantly usable knowledge. He'll also get us a deeper look at the West Plains football program from his chair as the DC. And we'll hit on a bunch of life along the way. Let's do it. It's episode 29 with Brandon Pitts. All right, I'm joined here by Brandon Pitts. Welcome to the show. Thanks, man. I'm excited to be on. Uh, it's, it is exciting. We were just talking off air about how um, all the different zizzers and connected people to the zizzers program that we've had on, like Steve Airy and Matt Perkins, and now you. Yeah, um, there's a, a lot of good coaches that have come through the program and some really, really good ones that are still there. And um, I don't know if I'd throw myself in that group of really, really good ones, but um, I'm pretty blessed to be where I am. Yeah, West Plains, for anybody who who hasn't heard the episode with Matt Perkins back in episode 17, you can head back and listen to that one and get kind of the background on on all things about where West Plains is and stuff like that. But uh, I, I asked Matt at the end of our episode after we were done recording, um, if there's anything I need to know about you or any questions I should ask you. And so I think you probably knew this was coming and it's going to take the lead today. Uh, he wanted me to ask you about your knee. Um, so here I am asking you about your knee. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's a, uh, sometimes it can be a topic of discussion, um, around the, the weight room and, and on the field and stuff. But so basically, um, when I was born, uh, or I guess when I was in the womb still, my mother was on a porch swing and, uh, it broke. It was an old porch swing. And so I guess I shifted in the womb somehow. And, um, I was born and my left leg, um, uh, was straight. Uh, I had an undeveloped patella. It never fused away from um, my femur or my tibia. So <clears throat> they had to go in and do some stuff uh, like surgery and somehow cut out a patella. Um, and so then my freshman year of high school, I ended up hurting that knee and I was on crutches for seven weeks and couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. Well, it turned out to not be very much. You know how that goes. And um, they just scoped it and, and it's been fine since I say fine. It's, it's much smaller. It, it looks weird. Um, one of the coaches last summer asked me if I had a quad missing. I mean, it's, it's different, but it really hasn't held me back much. And, um, 
Matt loves to make fun of it. Um, and and I, I'm okay with it. It looks weird, so I get it. Well, yeah, Matt told me that uh, you, you had a really successful uh, athletic career despite that. And so take me back. You mentioned freshman year, you hurt your knee. Where did you go to high school? What sports did you play? What was your What was your high school experience like? So um, I went to a really small school. Um, it's actually the town that I live in. I live about um, 20 minutes away from West Plains, Missouri, um, in a smaller town. West Plains is small, but my the hometown I live in right now has got about 2,000 people. Um, and I had about that 10 years ago when I was in high school. So um, I played football all through. Um, I started as a freshman, and, and we weren't a very good team. Um, we had a really successful middle school class, and then those guys just decided not to play football anymore. Um, and so um, once we got to high school, we didn't have a whole lot of success, but uh, I loved football, and it was some, coaching was something that I always wanted to do. Um, I also played tennis, oddly enough. Um, I wasn't the best at tennis, but um, I, I loved the experience, and I loved that it was a sport that I could play the rest of my life. But um, one of my biggest passions um, outside of football is the weight room. And so when I got to college, um, I decided to – I was undeclared for a little bit, did the whole, I'm going to try new things. Um, and it, everything came back to um, education and came back to physical education. And so, and I, I take PE pretty seriously, but um, but I, I, I jumped into the performance side of that. And um, now I get to, to train kids for a living. And so, um, but yeah, I ran track uh, two years of high school. And then the next two, I played tennis. And looking back, I kind of wish I would have ran track, but I love my experience with tennis and um, I, I love all sports and um, I'm, I'm pretty blessed right now to be able to coach and um, be around all types of athletes. Man, tennis was, I, I, so I played tennis growing up through middle school. And then when I got to high school, uh, there's a group of like six of us really close friends we all, you know, play tennis and stuff. And then uh, we would do like camps and things like that. And then we got to high school and tennis season is during baseball season in high school. So I had to kind of branch away from them and they all, you know, continued to play tennis and played high school tennis all four years. And I just kind of went off and did baseball on my own. But I always like I, I loved tennis and it was one of the not regrets, but like certainly something that I, I wish I could have done tennis and baseball because I've always enjoyed it. Yeah, tennis is something that I, my buddies were, were playing tennis, and so that's why I played, and I was so bad. Um, you know, I'm a weight, I was a weight room kid, and I was a football kid, so everything I did was like ultra aggressive, and so um, it took me a long time to get my forehand land in bounds and not over the fence, so, um, and it, it, it never really clicked with me until about three years into college, and then I got um, adequate, and then I haven't played in a while, so uh, yeah, tennis is amazing, man. Tennis is awesome. So here in Oregon, it's really bizarre, and I, I don't know if it's like this everywhere. Did you, in high school, when you played tennis, high school tennis, did you have to call the lines yourself as a player? Yes. So, Isn't that uh, so weird? Yeah. So we had a really aggressive coach. and I, uh, There was a lady in Willow Springs right now. She's actually from California, and um, she was like an, an all-stater in high school. She was an all-American college. Um, I mean, she was an amazing tennis player. Well, somehow she ended up in Willow Springs, and – um, and she was a very aggressive coach. And so her, her philosophy was when in doubt, call it out. So uh, <laughs> she says, Hey, if you don't know what it is, you better call it out and, and take the point. So if they're not going to call it then you call it. Um, and so me not being very good, I got a couple points off that, but we had a couple discrepancies every now and then where we'd have to call a coach to be a line judge and, um, things would get heated, but yeah, it, it's just kids calling it, man. It, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. It's very interesting. So, you know, I talked about my buddies and one of them was a very kind of a fiery guy who I can I, I never got to watch them play in high school because we always had baseball games. But I just always imagined him and heard stories of him during tennis matches, maybe making a call that uh, <laughs> was borderline and kind of sounded like your coach kind of being ultra aggressive about it. And it's just really kind of a funny sport in that sense, where in a lot of the you know places in our country, it, you call your own lines and it's yeah. just it's it's very different very very kind of interesting yeah i don't i don't imagine it working well in other sports honestly tennis is about yeah, one yeah imagine a, a football player or basketball would be the worst with foul calls oh my oh, gosh. gosh yeah so you uh you uh you you went to college where'd you where'd you go 
So I went to college at Missouri State in Springfield. Um, bear up, go Bears. They're, they're doing really well right now. Um, their football team is for the first time in a little while. But um, so I went to college in Springfield, moved in with um, a guy that we weren't great friends in high school. We got really close when we moved in together in college. And um, um, I was there for six years or sorry, I'm sorry, five years. Um, it only took me one extra year to decide what I wanted to do. And then ended up graduating with a bunch of credits. But um, I went to school, like I said, in Springfield. And um, while I was there, I was I was lucky enough to get to, to coach football um, in 2014 under a guy named Joel Wells, who is he was at Kickapoo High School, which is a pretty big school. And in, in, um, it's the largest classification in Missouri. It's in class six. Um, and it was our first year in class six that year. And Joel Wells is a, a Hall of Fame Missouri coach. He's now in Arkansas with the Harrison Goblins. And it's funny, um, Steve actually, when he left Missouri two years ago, he went and he coached under Joel Wells. And they coached against each other. But um, it's just funny that it's, a, it's kind of a small world. Um, you know, Steve actually coached at Willow when I was really young. I mean, it's the coaching tree is is pretty tight around here, but. Um, I got to coach football for a year and then I was getting married, so I couldn't coach the next year. I had to work. And, um, so we graduated and we actually moved to St. Louis and, uh, I coached at a, a school in at Warrington, Missouri and had a decent year, but it was pretty rough. My wife was an event coordinator and she was gone all the time. So, um, we ended up moving back. We actually just moved on a whim, like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to pray about it and, and, and just trust that, that God's got our back here. And, um, and so we ended up moving back home for a summer before we even had jobs, man. We just had to get out of St. Louis. And, um, luckily enough, I actually coached at Willow Springs for two years. Um, and then got the opportunity to go and coach under some, some really good guys at, at West Plains. And, um, they've somehow given me some leadership opportunity or some leadership chances. So, um, it's, it's been a pretty cool little ride, man. What's the uh, what's a lesson you learned from Joe Wells? Anytime someone mentions a Hall of Famer, I think we should go into that for a second. Uh, you you got to coach under him for a year. What's something you learned from him? So one of the things I, I learned a lot. Um, one of those is to make sure my defensive ends are listening because I got chewed out on the sideline one time. Uh, <laughs> pretty eye opening for a twenty one year old kid. But um, well, he's highly organized. Um, he wants to make sure that. Um, not only do his, his coaches know what's happening in, in a practice plan and a game plan, but that the kids are they're they're bought in and they know exactly what to do next. Um, you know, no sport is linear as in, you know, if this happens, then this will happen um, because people are different and people react differently. And so um, being able to to understand that you can be organized, but still um have a plan A and a plan B all the way through Z um, and, and being able to, to communicate that to your kids. Um, I think Joel did a really good job of that. And as a young coach, uh, it really helped me, honestly, um, even outside of football. I, that was my best year of college as far as my GPA goes. And um, I mean, being under a guy like that was amazing, especially for my first year. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Anytime you can be around Hall of Famer, I think you're going to learn some things. And yeah. uh, being organized is definitely a goal I always have as a coach because uh, when you start getting disorganized, uh, a lot of bad things happen. Yeah. So you're uh, you're the strength and conditioning coordinator. You're also the defensive coordinator on the football side. Um, I've had a, a handful of, of strength and conditioning coaches, directors, coordinators. They all kind of take on different name titles, but uh, and, and it's interesting because different districts and even different schools do it differently. And um, so I, I think we should kind of start there. What what does being a strength and conditioning coordinator at West Plains High School mean? Like, what do you actually do in that role? So um, I program for every sport and for every um, athlete or even non-athlete that comes through our weight room. So our weight situation is um, very unique. I'm actually only in there the first three hours of the day and there are seven hours. So I'm in there the first three hours. And then Matt, the head coach, um, he comes in for the next three hours um, and, and he ends up spinning his his prep, which is seventh hour. He ends up spinning that in there as well most of the time. Um, so he's in there for about four hours a day. But he and I communicate every single morning on um, what we're trying to get out of the day, um, what the programming looks like, 
Um, and, and we actually do it with our middle school before school now too. So, um, so basically it's all encompassing. It, it's, I, I don't want to sound, I don't want to make it sound like it's a cookie cutter program where I'm just going to throw out generic stuff and, um, every kid's going to do it because every kid is different. And, um, there are a lot of coaches that'll do different things for baseball than they would for basketball and different for basketball than cross country. And, and I believe in all of that. I, I believe that all of that's true, but, um, our, our kids, even though we're, uh, a large class four school in Missouri, um, our kids play everything. And so I've got a football player that'll play basketball that now runs track. Um, and he's busy all year round. So how do you program for that kid? So, um, and we also have weights five days a week. So we've got right now, we only do, we only work out four times a week because we sprint one of those days. And that's a really big part of our program is, is using the free lap timing system and stuff that you see about on Twitter all the time. But, um, so being a strength and conditioning coordinator is just, uh, for me and, and our position is communicating with coaches and making sure that everybody's on the same page with, um, you know, game day lifts. Uh, when different kids have different issues as far as injuries and uh, maybe they were sick and they're coming back, how do we re um, re-enter them into our, our lifting schedule? Um, it's it's a pretty big deal as far as our kids. There's 270 kids that come through our our class or our whole classroom. Um, throughout the day. All of them have different needs. All of them have different strengths and weaknesses. Um, it, it's pretty tough, but I really enjoy it. And I think the coaches are, are all bought in with it. And, and we have good conversation about how to change things and, and how we want things to run. So it's definitely unique in that there are multiple coaches in there throughout the day, but um, it's amazing. I, I love it. Yeah, that's a little bit different than than some of the others that I've heard. So what's the rest of your day look like? So you're in there for about three hours or so. What's what are you doing the rest of your time? So last year, um, oddly enough, I actually taught geography for the second half. Oh, Um, there you go. (laughs) Which is not uh, any of my certifications or my wheelhouse. But um, being a a coach, I know how to adapt. And so um, I had some really, really good co-teachers that that kind of helped me out along the way. And um, and then this year. I actually am in middle school PE. So that's been really cool because I get to see kids that I normally would never see um, outside of the football or a weight room setting. And so I get to meet all types of kids and um, I get to kind of recruit for our football program out of our own middle school, trying to get kids out that haven't played before. And and Matt actually does the same thing. So Matt is in the middle school the first half of the day and I'm in the high school the first half of the day. And then we flip. And so he has the weight room in the afternoon and I'm in PE in the afternoon. And so I have seventh and eighth grade boys. And then I have um, all sixth grade and I have all fifth grade and it's a pretty big middle school. So I've got a bunch of kids that I get to see and, and kind of love on and, and get to know. And um, it's a really cool experience. I would love to be in the weight room all day. Uh, I think everybody would, but I think there are a lot of benefits to the way we get to do things. That's clutch. I was sitting here listening to that. Like uh, in my head, I've, I've I've mentioned this before on previous episodes uh, that kind of my ideal thought process for strength and conditioning program at a high school would be, you know, you'd have a director or, you know, coordinator, whatever you want to call the person. Right. And they'd be in charge of all the athletes and stuff. But this is a cool, different wrinkle that I've never heard before. And it's it's awesome because you're getting like you just mentioned, you're getting exposed to the middle school kids that obviously will eventually come to high school. You're building relationships with them outside of whatever sport they're playing because it's a PE class. Right. Um, but you still get a little bit of the sport feel to it, obviously. And then also, you know, if they end up playing football or if you can kind of help convince them to do it, you've already built this relationship with them. And Matt Matt is doing the same like that. That is kind of my new favorite idea yeah. for strength and conditioning. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Yeah, and it's cool because, you know, some of those kids will come into high school and um, or we do a thing over the summer where we, we bring in the freshmen and their summer school is the weights program. So I get to start with the, the guys and girls that have never touched a weight in their life. Um, and what I want them to do is come in and feel comfortable because they're going to see some of our dudes that are lifting a ton of weight and they're, they're excited and, you know, they're amped up. And that can be really intimidating for a freshman boy coming in that's never been in a weight room um and we have a pretty good weight room and so it's a pretty good size and um so yeah it's a really cool system that i think matt and i do a really good job of taking advantage of and 
we've got some other coaches that are in there too, like our, our head track coaches in there. And I also coach track too, but um, so we, we try to marry um, the weight room to every program because we want not just the football team to win, not just the track team to do well. We want our basketball team, boys and girls to do well. We want cross country to continue to do well because it's a hall of fame program here in West Plains. Um, we want our soccer team, soccer, soccer teams to win. We want swimming to do well. And we want everything to be good. Um, if they have a Z and a, and a lightning bolt on their hat, we want them to be awesome. And so I think having so many coaches in there and being able to see those kids that come up that may never play football, but they know that we care about them as a person and we care about their success in general as a zizzer um, more than just we care about them if they play football. And if they don't, then we just push them off to the side. I think we're pretty good at that. And I think that's one of the, the benefits of the way we get to do things. Yeah, it's, it's easy for us to forget what um, leaving middle school and going into high school, what that transition was like and how uh, kind of overwhelming that can be for some kids. And then you add in, like you just mentioned, you add in going into a weight room too. And I, I still remember my first time being in, in the weight room as a freshman and being almost embarrassed by like, you want me to go bench and I'm, you know, maybe I can put a plate on it and I'm going to have to bench next to this senior that like this grown yeah. man next to me yeah. who's, who's easily yeah. like repping 300 like it. And so building those relationships, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my first year there, we've got a, a freshman that comes in and he's never been in a weight room. He's never lifted a weight. He's always saying, wow, I, I wish I could do that. And so my, yeah. my big thing is, well, let's get you to that point. But we have to start right here. We have to start at, you know, using your analogy, we've got to start at that first plate. You have to get to the first plate before you can get to, you know, a 45 and a 25. We've got to get to that before we can get to two 45s. Um, and that kid has just blossomed. Um, he's a sophomore now. He couldn't do a pull-up last year at all, and, and we do them a lot. And I try to emphasize our, our core movements. And now he's doing two or three at a time with, with really strict form and he loves sprinting and he loves the weight room. And, and some of those kids will come in and they're, they're nervous or they're anxious about it. And then a year later, it's their passion. And, and I think that's really cool outside of what sport they play. They want to be healthy. They want to be stronger. They want to be faster and they want to move really, really, really well, which is what we emphasize. And um, yeah, it's, it's an amazing opportunity for kids to get to, to know themselves better and to, to gain confidence. Well, yeah, your your pinned tweet on Twitter is is our athletes will one move well, two be fast, three be strong in that order. And when I when I saw that, I was like, well, that doesn't sound like you know the weight room that Arnold Schwarzenegger probably grew up in. You <laughs> yeah, <know>? yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I, go ahead. No, no, you go for it. Well, I was just gonna say, you know, when we first got there, we had some really strong dudes. Um, but they were kind of stiff. They, they couldn't move well, and we had some injuries. And that's nothing to say anything about the previous you know guys that were there. But um, I wanted to look at it as, hey, let's start fresh. Let's start everything over. Um, let's make sure we can get into some different ranges of motion. Not that full range is always needed, but those kids couldn't do it. And so I want them to be healthy, um, and, and the strength's going to come later. But as long as they're moving well, they're moving the weight the proper way. Um, and then I want to be fast. I want to Everything I want to, we do, I want um, to, to sprint fast. I want to, to move quickly laterally. I want to have good change of direction. Um, and if those two things are good, then being strong is really good because you can be the strongest guy in the room or strongest girl in the room. But if you're really slow and you don't move very well, you're either going to be injured or um, you're just going to be on the bench because you can't move. So um, the kids have really bought into that. It took a little bit, you know, but the kids are starting to really buy in and they love it. It's been really cool. Well, it helps build. I mean, you're building athletes, right? You mentioned before you've got, yeah. you want your, you, you, a lot of kids playing more than one sport. So you want them to be really good athletes and that are, that those are going to be people who move well and who are fast. And if, you, if you're strong on top of that, that's good stuff too. What's the facility like? You mentioned it's kind of a, a big weight room. Kind of, can you describe it for us? Yeah. So it's actually an old ag building. Um, it's, it's kind of strange, but it's a, it's a pretty big rectangular box. Um, I say that it's got a boys and girls locker room. It doesn't have showers. Um, just like I said, because it was an old ag building, but we have a, a large turf area, probably uh, 95 by 45 feet. And it's just turf that we can do agility stuff on. We can stretch on, we can warm up on, we can do a lot of things on it. 
Um, and then we've got seven full racks um, with um, weights on each side, with bars on each side, benches on one side. We have a clean area with, with a nice bumper rack set up the whole way down. Um, it's very unique for our area because you'll go to some schools in Texas and Arkansas and, and California and, and see a college type setup. And you come to Missouri and you're going to see some uh, half racks and barely any weight. And, um, and those schools can, can still get it done. I, I'm not saying they can't. And, and some of them do a really good job with it. But um, coming to West Plains is, is different. Even at Kickapoo with all their facilities and all their, you know, their, they have 2,000 kids at their school they didn't have as nice a facility as this one. And that's kind of a, a shout out to Steve Airy because he did a really good job when he came to West Plains of making sure those kids had really good stuff. And, um, and they do, and, and they appreciate it and they respect it. And um, it's, it's enormous, man. They've got a whole rack of dumbbells in the back. We've got a bunch of different types of bars. Um, it's really cool. We can sprint inside, we can jump inside, we can do anything we want. It's really, really neat. I'm not surprised that uh, Steve kind of headed that up. I, I, I just, just listening to him and talking to him for a while, he seems like a guy who probably isn't getting the answer no very often when he walks in a room and wants something done. Yep, um, you're absolutely it's awesome. Right. It makes a big difference for kids when they can, when they show up and they see that stuff's been invested for them uh, and they, it, it creates this feeling of importance. Like what you're going to do in this room, in this facility, in this, in this building uh, is it, it matters a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. And once they, they buy in and they're consistent, um, they see their bodies change. They see their performance change. They see everything change. And so that place just becomes even more and more important to them. We don't have, a, I don't have a ton of kids that come over there and dread it. They're probably, I mean, I'm not saying they don't exist, but I've got a bunch that come over there and it's their break for, I mean, I don't, it's probably a bad thing to say, but it's their break from school. It's their break from sitting on a de- or sitting behind a, a desk and, and reading a book or doing assignments. They come over and they know that they're going to be welcomed. Um, they know that they're going to be uh, met with a, a, a what's up or a, a loud yell from me, just um, even if on a, on a hard rainy day or something, I, I want the energy to be up. And, and by the time we're warmed up, their energy is up too. So I want them to, to view that place as a positive and not as a, uh, I don't want them to dread coming over there. One of the big things with teenagers is, well, and a lot of humans anyway, but especially at teenagers is, is inconsistency, right? There's some days they show up and they're, they're ready to go and they want to get after it. And then other days they show up and they're just kind of going through the motions. Um, you mentioned trying to uh, create that energy, that feeling of, of, of excitement. How, how do you build that? How do you get kids to like consistently actually like show up? Uh, for weights, because it, it can be a place where if if you if you show up and you don't want to get a lot done, it, you can't really force a kid to do something. It needs to be something that they want to do. How do you how do you get them to get to that point? Well, honestly, I don't know um, because I'm still trying. I've, I, I, it's worked on some kids and on some kids. I'm still trying out different strategies. But the main thing and I know this is kind of cliche, but it's true is is relationships. I don't want them to come in and think that Coach Pitts doesn't care about them. And maybe there are some that do, and if there are, you know, I, I want to fix that. But I don't want them to come in and think, well, he's not even going to talk to me today. It doesn't matter if I get my lifts in. It doesn't matter if I'm skipping reps or if I take a little bit off today. Um, I want them to know that I care about them as a person before I care about their performance. And I think if they know they're going to a place where they're going to be welcome and, and invited – it's going to be easier for them to show up and getting to the building, as you know, as an educator is just how it, that's 90% of the issue is just getting those kids to show up. Um, once they're there. Okay. Yeah. Now let's get after it. You're having a rough day. Well, today's probably the most important day for you to train and make sure we're doing everything right because you're going to leave um, better and, and feel better than you did when you showed up. I know that from my own personal experience, um, but consistency, like you said, is the most important thing. It doesn't matter what program you're on. You can do a million different types of programs. You can do a million different types of diets. You can do a million different types of, of scheme or whatever you want to do. But if you're not consistent, then um, it's all for nothing. You know, it's a flash in the pan and maybe you're really good one day and then, okay, where's the performance at? Where's that long-term success? And I think that we do a really good job of trying to get our kids to be consistent and Right now, we've got a really, really, really solid group of athletes at our school that are super consistent. 
They're showing up every day. They're working out really hard. And that's a shout out to them because, like you said, we can do whatever we want. But if those kids don't show up and, and be consistent on their own, you know, they're going to do whatever they want to do. So I think it's a it's a shout out to them and, and their willingness to kind of sacrifice their own self um, time that they could have, you know, maybe hang out with friends that are doing something different. They want to come in and get better, whether it's spring break, Christmas break, um, any type of break, they're begging to come in. And so uh, we come in we bring them in and we open the facility and, and they want to be there because they want to be consistent. It's cool. Yeah, I love that answer. It's it makes a lot of sense that um, I, I don't know when I think back to my own like high school times, I never I, I enjoyed the feeling after I, it's still the same. I enjoy the feeling after a workout. Um, it there's always like this this I've got to like force myself to go, you know, to do the workout though. It's not right. something where I'm, I'm walking to the weight room like, yes, I get to work out today. And then during the workout, it usually kind of, you you get exhausted. It's tiring, but every single time at the end you feel better. And I think, uh, I just think like you kind of alluded to it with how much time kids have to sit behind desks and follow, um, follow rules and be quiet. And I, I just think the weight room for lack of a better words, is such an awesome escape. And I think, I think a culture of a school can probably be traced back in a lot of ways to what the culture of the weight room is like. Absolutely, man, you nailed it. I, I, I 100% on board with that. Um, <clears throat> if your weight room isn't very good, then your classroom's going to struggle too. And, you know, there are some, a lot of different studies that talk about physical activity and the benefits of physical activity and learning. Um, and so coming to the weight room or going to a PE class or, or being around the coaches that we have that, that try to invest a bunch of time into making sure their programs are really good, um, those kids benefit from that and they want to show up. Like you said, it, they're going to be better because of it. They're going to be better. They're going to feel better. They're going to think better. Everything's going to be better. Um, and I, I don't know if it's just the weight room that does that. I think there's a lot of different extracurriculars that can do that. But I think the, the weight room is very unique in that aspect. It's kind of the unifying one that unifies across all sports for athletes and non-athletes, and it just kind of brings everybody together. I want to go through some quick hitters with you. You, you don't have to go too deep in the responses, but I have a handful of them written down um, specifically for you that I wanted to just get your thoughts on. Um, so let's dive in and do it. Here's the first one. Uh, what's the most important lift, in your opinion, for an overhead thrower? For an overhead thrower? Um, that's a great question. Um, I would probably say anything that is is building like a, a snatch, and it doesn't have to be a heavy Olympic level type of snatch, but I'm a big time um, believer in stability um, and, and that instability equaling strength. And so we do a lot of snatch carries. We do a lot of overhead dumbbell carries. Our kids really have gotten, gotten to like them. They, they struggled at first, but now they want to do the most weight and they want to be the most stable and they want to look the best when they do it. But um, I think exposing those kids to overhead movements, especially in the off season, um, before they get to their overhead sport, um, is, is really, really important. Love it. Most important. Um, I don't want to say lift cause this could be any number of things, but, uh, kid comes to you, wants to get faster. What's kind of the, the number one thing we're doing? Um, we're going to sprint to me. The best way to get faster is by running fast and we do it and. And that's, you know, Tony Holler's got the whole feed the cats thing. And, and I do buy into some of that, but, and, and he's a, a genius. I mean, not, he knows more than I'll ever know, but um, we found that the more we sprint, the faster we get. And we do some accessory movements to make sure our hamstrings are healthy and to make sure we're getting stronger. And, um, but I think if you want to be fast, you better find a way to sprint and do different sprint variations. Absolutely. All right. On to the third one. Uh, the false step, uh, sometimes called uh, the drop step. H have you tested it? Is it faster? Do you know? Um, I've not tested it with any type of clinical study, but I know that if a kid can self-organize really quickly, that's great. And if that means he has to false step two inches, um, then good, because typically uh, that's what your body wants to do. Your body wants to um, organize in the most um, efficient way possible. And so he's got to get that shin angle, um, a little more positive than it, it was if they were standing straight up. 
Um, they have to get into whatever athletic stance they need to be in to move as, as quickly as they can. So I, I don't personally have any issue with the false step. Um, that's kind of something that I've changed on. You know, I, I grew up around coaches that always preached against it. And um, the more I'm seeing things on, on Twitter and in these videos and, and all this stuff that that is going on about the false step, and there's a lot of different conversations happening to me at the end of the day. If that athlete is going to be moving um, and, and reacting and not just thinking about not doing a false step, then so be it. Do the false step. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm not, I guess I'm not technically supposed to interject on these quick hitters, but it doesn't. Who cares? This is our, our yeah, conversation. Yeah, uh, I, I was the same way. So I uh, coaches and 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 how I coached was that same way too. I, it was like, no, the drop steps not faster. Thinking specifically for base running for stealing bases, and then Twitter came along and all these gifts and videos of guys stealing bases in the major leagues. And like to a T, all of them do like some variation of a drop step of, or false step of some kind. And I'm like, well, if every single one of these elite like base runners is doing this, there might be something to it. And maybe force, you know, forcing my high school kids to not do it. Maybe it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Right. And and they're, I just think that kids have to learn um, what their body is doing in space. And so the best way to do that is to just let them move. You know, there are some things you can create or correct, but to me, a false step is not one of those. To me, if that's something that you're going to end up spending too much time on coaching when you could you know, spend it on a million other things. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, back in. Uh, most overrated piece of exercise equipment. Ooh, most overrated. I'm going to say a bench. I don't really right. have any specific reason, but I think that there are so many ways um, that you could use boxes and the floor. And I just don't think you have to have a a bench as a piece of equipment in your weight room um, in order to elicit everything you want to do. And then let's go the opposite way. What's the most underrated piece of exercise equipment? Underrated. I'm going to say dumbbells. I think that the hard and true dumbbells, you can do basically anything with dumbbells and, and be able to get adaptation for whatever you're trying to do. Maybe that's what the NCAA was trying to, the message they were trying to send when they only gave the, the women basketball programs. Yeah, how about that, man? Oh that's, my gosh. That's unbelievable. That's, but hey, yeah, maybe that's exactly what it was. That'll be their, uh, their cop out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the biggest issue that you've seen, like the most high school athletes encounter in the weight room. Um, they want to do too much weight too fast. So Jimmy comes in and he sees Johnny squatting 405 and he says, well, we're about the same size. We're about the same age. I can do that too. And then he gets under the bar and it, you know, folds him like a lawn chair. Um, to me, that's, they want to come in and, and be the fastest and strongest right now. And they don't understand that it's a process. Last one, uh, Twitter, who do you think is kind of your best follow in terms of strength and conditioning resources? Oh my goodness. So, you know, I follow Derek Smith out of, um, out of Arkansas that you had on a couple of days ago. I follow a guy named Cody Hughes out of Alabama, Brandon Herring out of Alabama. Um, those guys have really kind of changed my mindset and they don't even know me. I mean, I've talked to them a little bit um, here and there, but they've changed the way that I look at the weight room and, and how I go about it. And there's a bunch of others that I'm forgetting right now, but it'd probably be one of those three guys. It's uh, we, we get to this in almost every episode because I think Twitter is just so such a good resource. And, you know, you can go to as many coaching clinics or, or things that you want. But I think that Twitter just offers um, such amazing access. And like you mentioned, those guys you reeled off, they probably don't even know that you're you follow them or probably don't even know your name or anything about you. And yet here you are getting um, I don't want to say life changing information, but, you know, really important information from them. Right. And um, the information they put out and there's a bunch of other guys because I'm racking my brain now trying to think I follow a bunch of dudes that anybody I see put out good information. Um, I'm going to try to steal it. I want to learn from those guys, even if they don't know me, like you said, but it doesn't just change the way I do things. It it makes my kids better. It makes our programs better. It makes our coaches smarter. Um, Twitter is an excellent resource as far as that goes. Now, obviously, there are bad things about Twitter, but um, just focusing on the good right now the amount of information that's available um, when I pick up a phone is amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. 
Um, so earlier you mentioned free lap timers, and I've I've gotten into that before. I think even with with Derek actually um, talking about free lap, and um, we've looked into it, and I'm, I'm trying to get some other coaches together and, and combine our, our funds to pick some up for our programs because, um, man, they're they're just <laughs> they're incredible. Um, so you you said you have those. What what role does technology play at West Plains in in terms of the weight room? So. Like you said, we have the free lap timing system. We actually got it about a year ago right now, um, which if, you know, if you haven't been, if you're living under a rock, bad things as far as the community happened a year ago right now. And so we got it literally the day after we got quarantined. And so it finally arrived. And so I spent a summer just messing with it myself. And um, we use, you know, free lap and, and I'll talk a little bit about that in a second, but we use to me, the most important music you're going to have in your weight room is, mu- or sorry, technology is music. Um, but we don't use, we haven't used Team Builder. Uh, I've kind of looked into it a little bit based off of, you know, Derek Smith actually in that podcast and then some things he's posted. Um, I, I bought a template from the guy I mentioned earlier named Cody Hughes. I'm still trying to figure out how exactly we want to um, implement it into our program. But basically, we I've got a, a Google Doc set up with, what I want my in-season athletes to do and what I want my off-season athletes to do. And they see it every day and they know what their percentage should be. And, and we've got different posters throughout the, the room. I know that's not technology, but um, they use all of that every single day. Um, or they, you know, if you want technology, they use their phones to calculate their own percentage. But, um, but free lap is the most important. And I think it's been the, the best buy um, that we've made. The kids absolutely love it. They love free lap Monday. They put the clip on. They're ready to race each other. We race every time we use it. I know some coaches don't do that, but I want us to compete in everything, whether we're going to win or lose. I want us to be really competitive and, and tough in that way. And so we compete every single time. Um, I'll flip it on windy days so that we got a tailwind. I don't care. I want them to feel fast, and I want them to understand that that they're going to get faster, that, that the more we sprint, I want them to see the benefit of our program. And um, And so far they have. It's been really, really fun. Yeah, I think a lot of coaches don't. I think we all want our kids to be faster. Like that's that's a huge part of all of our programs. Pretty much anything you you coach, whether it's short distances or or you know short bursts or long distances, we, we want our kids to be faster. And I think a lot of us don't know. <laughs> There's a disconnect. Like I want my kids to be faster. All right, cool. What do I do to make them faster? Um, you mentioned sprinting, and I I think I'm a big believer in that too. Um, that yeah. to run fast, you need you need to run fast. And I also really believe in competition. And anytime we can put two kids against each other in some sort of a race of any kind, you know, give one kid a disadvantage or it doesn't, doesn't matter. I think you're, you're reinforcing that, that movement towards speed. Yes. Um, and so one really cool thing about competition with the free lap timing system is that um, you're going to elicit maximum effort every time that you put that thing on those kids know that if they even think about running slower, their time's going to be, you know, worse than what it was or worse than what it could be, or it's going to be worse than the, the guy or girl that they're running against. And so, um, that max effort component's a big deal because we did a lot of sprinting before we got free lap. And, um, the way that these kids move now versus before is different. I mean, they were kind of going through the motions and some kids would run hard, some wouldn't, but, um, to get that maximum intent and to, and to be able to expose their bodies to, you know, whatever max velocity they can get and to try to build that um, has been amazing for our program. And, and like you said, it's really important, obviously, for an athlete to be fast. Yeah, we want the, the free lap timers, too. I just there's so many uses that I can think of for them, uh, in addition to just flat out helping kids be faster. And like you said, put maximum effort every time, because like we know, going, you know, going back to the consistency part, sometimes a kid can fake it. And when you've got a timer on them, that's legit. They can't fake it. Yep. Yeah, uh, that's that's a little bit of accountability, too. I, I guess I never thought of it that way, but. It's that it's a really cool system. Um, I'm not an ambassador or anything for them, but um, it I don't I don't know if you have to do a fundraiser, but get it for your program, your baseball team, all your sports programs will will benefit from having um, access to that type of system. So, kind of the last place I want to go with strength and conditioning is a part of it that isn't necess- isn't technically part of it, nutrition. 
but it it obviously is still connected to it. And you get into this weird thing where you're you're not a new you know you're not an expert on nutrition necessarily, and each person's different. But high school kids still they they're going to rely on you a little bit, I'm sure, to some degree. Um, where do you find like high school kids lacking in terms of nutrition or, or things that they may not realize about nutrition? So um, a lot of our high school kids just don't eat enough. Like they're working out and we've got a bunch that work out outside of it. We've got a bunch that, you know, play sports and work out outside of it and come train with us. They're doing all these things where their body is in high demand a, a lot of the time, really more than what I want, but um, they're not eating enough. And and if they do, they're they're trying to eat all at once or maybe they skip breakfast. So now they're going to have a big lunch, but then they don't feel hungry for dinner. And um, I was that way as a high school kid. I, I know a bunch of high school kids are like that. And I know that's not a unique program or problem, but um, for our program, it's definitely just not eating enough. And so we preach uh, making sure we're eating food and we talk about, um, you know, really protein rich foods. We don't, like you said, I'm not a, a, a nutritionist. That's not what I, I wanted to do. I'm still trying to learn and, and get better at that. I've got a, a couple good buddies that are really, really good with nutrition that I, I've been able to learn from. But my biggest thing is making sure you're eating and making sure you're hydrating all the time. Um, and then and it's not nutrition, but they got to be sleeping too. But um, it's definitely just that they're not eating enough. They'll skip meals or maybe they didn't eat lunch. We, we had a kid today in, in our track practice who skip lunch today because it was a greasy pizza and this, you know, it's four hours before practice and we had some time to relays today, but he didn't want to get sick during his relay. So he just skipped lunch. I'm like, well, dude, you got to have fuel. You're, you're burning, you know, fumes right now. That's all you got. And, um, it's not sustainable. And so that's really hard to get kids to understand that they want to work hard. But, um, part of that grind to me is making sure you're fueling and you're resting too. I see the same thing with a lot of high school kids. We'll have, We'll have kids who come in as freshmen and I, I swear they they're in the weight room every day and they leave as seniors and they barely they're the same size. And you're like, dude, what do you eat? And then you, you start getting into conversations with them and you learn that, like you said, they they don't really eat as much as they think they eat. They're oh, I eat a ton. And then you start talking to them and you unravel it and you're like, well, you don't you don't actually eat that much, buddy. Yeah, it's it's impossible to gain any type of muscle or strength in a caloric deficit. So they, they have to eat. And that, that's just something that it's always going to be something you fight a, a little bit. And if you can get kids to start to work their way up that ladder of eating enough food per day, I think that, um, that's the way to go. It's not, it's not going to all happen at once. And some kids are always going to skip a meal or, or two, but, um, yeah, they just not eating enough is a, is a huge issue for, for me in that space. Did you hear, I don't know if you listened to the episode with Derek, but he, he talked about how he actually uh, has uh, in the past, like met kids at the grocery store and there'll be like 10 or 20 kids with him and they'll walk through and, you know, he'll tell them to bring a certain amount of money and they'll go like buy groceries for the week. And I was like, oh my gosh, a lot of, doesn't work in a lot of high schools, but if you, if you can, like, how cool is that? We definitely have some kids I could do that with. and, And I probably should. That's, like I said, nutrition is probably my weakest area. Um, but yeah, that's a really cool system and, and props to him for doing that. I don't have a lot of kids that could do that, but I do have some. And, um, what I really want to do is, and I've, I've been thinking about a way to work on it and to, to put some generalized, um, nutrition, um, ideas, you know, cause I can't give them really, I can't legally say, Hey, here's exactly what to do. Um, I don't know if legally is the right word, but I don't feel comfortable doing that. Um, but I want to I want to come up with some programs that I can put out on our bulletin board that says, hey, if if you're this type of athlete, here's a good um, uh, a good uh, idea of what to eat throughout your day. Um, it doesn't have to be all of this. Here's a menu of, of foods you could eat. Um, you don't have to eat all of them at once, obviously, but um, and do that for different types of athletes. And I think that would be something that our program would really benefit from. There's probably a football program down in Texas or Alabama or Georgia or Florida that uh, they figured out the high school has to probably have a, a you know a designated strength and conditioning coach and a nutritionist because that's what you get when you go to college. Yeah. And <laughs> that makes a big difference. Yeah, maybe that's so the I, way schools are headed toward is having a strength <laughs> coach. In 10 years, everyone's got one. And then in 30 years, everybody's got a nutritionist. That'd be really cool. Yeah. 
That'd be great. Um, yeah. I don't want to let you go without actually getting into football too for a little bit because, um, you know, obviously I had Matt on and um, your defensive coordinator with the football team there at, with the Zizzers. Um, so talk to me about how much freedom Matt has given you as the defensive coordinator. So his biggest strength as a head football coach is letting his coaches coach. Um, he's been with me every step of the way. He, he sits with me through my, my game planning um, or I'll bring it in if he's not with me. And we talk, I mean, every single day we're having discussions, even now about what we want to do in the fall or, or what worked last year, if it's season, um, you know, who played well, who didn't. He's watching all the film and I'm watching all the film. Um, but he gives me a ton of freedom to, to try new things. Um, I'm always bouncing off ideas off of him because he's you know way more experienced than I am. And I'm still, even though I'm a DC right now, I'm always trying to learn. Um, I'm definitely not perfect and strength conditioning and, and being a defensive coordinator, sometimes it's tough to balance those two out because I want to be the best in both. Um, and sometimes I can feel like I'm a jack of all trades and a master of none, you know, and that's kind of frustrating. But um, Matt's done a really good job of trusting me um, with our defense. And, and I think we've done a pretty decent job over the last couple of years. What kind of uh, system do you run? Well, in the past, we've been a, a, a multiple four two five. We see so many different teams. Um, we see two types of teams that are they base out of empty and they do not run the ball. Um, they're going to throw the ball 90 times a night. Last year, um, we played a school out of Springfield, Missouri, um, Glendale High School, who put us through a three and a half hour game. I mean, our game wasn't over until it felt like one in the morning, but I think it was about midnight or maybe 1130. I'm probably embellishing, but it felt like forever because they just throw the ball all the time. Well, then four weeks later, we're going to play a team that runs flex bone and um, they're going to run the clock and it's going to be the game feels like it was 30 minutes long. So we have to adjust and every week um, our defense and we try to put our kids in the best position for them to be successful. Um, we've got some really new ideas coming up for this year. Um, we've got some pretty good um, players and and we want to make sure that those guys can move and, and be free to, to just be ball players um, at the end of the day. So we do a lot of really cool things, but none of it's new. Um, none of it's it's anything that I made up, man. Like I said, I'm stealing from everybody. I think we all are. We had the the joy of watching uh, Chip Kelly when he was here at Oregon um, and with the Ducks and how fun and exciting that offense was. And then I remember at the time, a lot of high school programs here in our state started trying to adopt that because it was fun. It was fun to watch. It, the kids seemed to love it, like running a spread, running an empty set, that sort of thing. Uh, RPO was really cool. And I've, we've started to see it now kind of starting to swing back the other way where it seems like a lot more teams are kind of abandoning that offense and heading towards more of a, more of a traditional, I don't, I don't know if it is traditional, but more of a traditional like high school running offensive system. Uh, and that can come in a number of different ways. But um, I, I think right now, like you mentioned, like defensive coordinators at the high school level have such a difficult job. You know, if I think like of a baseball team, I don't really care what the other team's doing. We're going to practice our normal stuff and we're just going to assume that our stuff's going to be better and good enough to beat you every week or every day. And so we don't really have to worry about that. Basketball does for sure. But uh, in football, it's it, like you met, you could have one week against an empty set and the next week, you know, like you said, a flex bone or a really option based system. And so I just think it, it it's really probably difficult um I don't know, to, to be able to manage that from week to week. It is. And, um, but it's enjoyable and the kids love it. Honestly, it keeps the kids on their toes more than anything because it's, Hey, how are we going to defend, you know, this team this week? I watched a couple plays and they do things differently than the team we just played. They're a zone team or they're a gap team or they're an option team or they're a 100% error rate. We're going to throw the ball team. Um, and we see it all. And it's really, really cool. One thing about West Plains is that, we're a very small community. Um, we're a rural school or a rural area in our state playing teams out of Springfield, Missouri, which isn't a huge city, but it's got five high schools and they're all in, you know, some of the largest classifications in Missouri. Um, every school we play, I think is bigger than us, except for maybe one or two. Um, and they all have some, a huge pool of athletes to pull from. Well, we don't, um, you know, our, like I said, our, most of our kids play everything. So, we're typically not going to out athletes, anybody. Um, we're not going to out, you know, speed anybody the last few years. I think, I think we're going to surprise people this year. I hope so. Um, but 
but being able to to scheme and to keep our kids excited about what we're doing next and excited about the next challenge has been really fun because our kids are insanely competitive. Um, they want to beat everybody by a million points, um, and so do I. So it's been a good fit. What's what, what's more fun to beat as a defense uh, to shut down a team that's throwing it ninety times or a team that's running it like forty forty five times? A team that's running it, man. Um, a, a team can throw it at 90 times and only complete 30 of them. And it just, it just feels like it's forever. But if you can shut down a team's run game, um, that's pretty satisfying. And the kids love it because they know that they're, they were more physical or um, they were more disciplined in their assignment. Um, they were more aggressive for sure. To me, it's, it's shutting down a team that runs the ball all day. Now, if a team's going to throw 500 yards on me, then yeah, I want to shut them down too. But um yeah, definitely a team running the ball. I want to shut those dudes down every time. I love it. All right. Well, I got one last question for you, and it's something you brought up earlier. You mentioned the most important technology uh, you think in the weight room is music. Why do you think that? The kids, it gives them, to me, it gives them a sense of ownership over the program. So um, we we do have issues with kids going to our, our music too much and trying to change a song or whatever, but... I want those kids to come in and feel happy. I don't care if it's Hank Williams. I don't care if it's, you know, the baby or, or, or key Glock or these guys that I honestly haven't heard of until I, I came to West Plains and now I've got those dudes on my playlist, but um, I want them to be excited and happy to be there and, and kids love music. And so if I can give them that part of it, um, that just helps increase the, the energy in the weight room. It helps those kids want to be there. They know they get to, to listen to stuff that they wouldn't get to in another classroom. Um, and we, we keep it clean. I'm always telling them if I hear something bad, Hey, go put the clean version on somebody made one on YouTube. I know it. So, um, being able to give that the kids that freedom has been really cool. And, and we've benefited from, um, them using that music in that way. And, um, I love it and they love it. Dude, I so <laughs> this was a few months ago. We were hitting in the gym, and one of my guys is like, "Hey, put on! Can you put on the babe, the baby?" You <laughs> know, <Yep>. the what? <laughs> what you're talking about? But all right, sure, let's go for it. Same thing. We'll we'll play whatever they want to play is fine. And I agree with you. I think it. I think it brings out. It just creates that sense of ownership, like you said. Um, it's awesome. Brandon loved having you on. Before I let you go, I wanted to hand the mic over to you. I don't know if there's anything we missed or any uh, parting thoughts or advice for coaches or whatever, you can go anywhere you want with it. But I just want to hand the mic over to you one more time. Uh, my biggest thing, I, I've heard you ask this question a million times. And so every time I've thought of something different, but it all comes back to um, being an education, being a coach, it doesn't matter what your title is. It has to be about, to me, it has to be about the kids. Um, if, if me being a defensive coordinator is detrimental to the kids and maybe I need to be an assistant, but um, or if me being a strength conditioning coach, I, I'm not getting the, the best out of my kids. I need to change what I'm doing or, or maybe somebody else needs to do it. But, um, I think everyone talks about issues in education. Um, I think that at the end of the day, it comes down to, is it about the adults or is it, is it about the kids? It is about making their lives better, making them better, not only athletes, but citizens of the community. Um, it has to be about kids. And if it's not, you know, then maybe Maybe you're in the wrong spot, and I'm not perfect at that. I don't want to say that I am. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I am. Um, and there are coaches and teachers that have been doing this longer than I've been alive. Um, but to me, in my short time being in this space and, and being um, an, an educator or coach, I've learned that if it's not about the kids, then there is no success. There, There is nothing. Regardless of wins or losses, um, success can, can come in a million ways, but – um, if it's not about the kids, then then it's not about anything important. You're spot on. I've been on a few like leadership groups and things like that, and in a couple of schools I've been in, and you know, small group stuff. And man, sometimes you just want to stand up and be like, "What does this have to do with kids, man? Like, what's 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 going to benefit kids out of this?" And I think sometimes, especially in education, we we tend to forget that at times. And I think it's I think it's an important thing to remind ourselves of is that what we're doing this for kids and it, are are we doing the best that we can? If not, we got to change something or like you said, maybe even step out of a role from time to time if we need to. Um, anyway, Brandon, loved having you on. That that 
that Ozark area I, it just keeps growing and I keep getting more and more dudes from it. And they're, they're always just bringing gold to the program. So really appreciate you carving out time and, and surviving some tech issues we had when we first tried to record this thing and hanging in there and coming back on. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate you and everything you do for kids. Yeah, absolutely, Max. I appreciate you reaching out to, to get all these types of coaches. You know, the Ozarks is a gold mine, but there's so many coaches across the country that that don't get recognition because they're not on Twitter or they're not, you know, doing what everybody else is doing. And I'm not saying I'm one of those great coaches, but um, I love your what you're doing because you're you're highlighting those coaches. And I think that more high school coaches um, than not are really, really good. And, and I love that that you're doing this. So um, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you having me on. And um, uh, I, I look forward to listening to your future episodes, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. had a ton of fun talking with Brandon. If it isn't obvious yet, there are some pockets of this country that just do things the right way with their high school sports. We know those Iowa baseball coaches are an impressive bunch, and we know these Missouri football coaches have a ton to offer the rest of us. Thanks again to Coach Pitts for joining the show and to Netting Pros for once again sponsoring the episode, and always to you for tuning in. As you prepare to move on with your day, a few final thoughts. If you haven't joined the club as a free member yet, please do it. Seriously, it takes about 90 seconds to sign up. You'll be part of this national organization of high school coaches, trainers, administrators, players, parents, and so much more. And you'll get the weekly newsletter delivered to your inbox every single Wednesday morning. You can find that link down in the show notes. Don't forget to leave a rating, maybe even a review. If you have any recommendations for people who should be guests on the show, be sure to reach out to me, even if that recommendation is you. Follow the club on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at HS Coaches Club. You can follow me on Twitter, at Mr. Max Price, and can reach me via email. That's max at highschoolcoachesclub.com. That's it. That's all I've got. You're awesome. You matter. Thanks for being involved in high school sports and for being part of the club. And as Coach Lee would say, loving you.